Have you ever felt anxious? No, not really. Not me. Yeah, that's a bit of a lie, isn't it? Yeah. I sat down with Neil Hughes this week. Actually, it wasn't this week. It was the other week. I didn't mean to lie about that. Sorry. Um, And we talk all things anxiety. Neil has a TED Talk and a book talking all about anxiety and his journey with it. The refreshing thing is it's not just dry, new-agey advice. It's down-to-earth, practical advice infused with a healthy dose of comedy or humor. And that really intrigued me about Neil's website when I first visited it and his TED Talk and all his books, as I mentioned, are not short of that either. So in this episode, we get into what anxiety actually is, uh, how it affects people, and the most powerful tools for beginning to move through it. Now, this is really, I'm really excited to present this talk. I think it concisely wraps up a solid understanding of anxiety for anyone who's experiencing it and wanting to know the next steps of how to deal with it. And also, um, I wanted to talk with Neil because Uh, I have suffered from anxiety, but also friends and family and other people I know have had really tough times with anxiety and I haven't always been able to uh, understand what's going on for them. Uh, It's one thing to have to experience your own anxious thoughts and feelings, but when someone else is uh, going through it, it's nice to know what's going on for them and, um, and, and be there for them in a supportive way, a helpful way. Uh, and yeah, to understand what's going on. All right, without more of the talk, let's walk the walk with Neil. like you're someone who's seen as somewhat of an authority at the moment on the topic of anxiety uh, just through your your website and your continued sort of um, I call them offerings with your book um, and all the blog posts and everything coming through there and I'm sure there's much more you're working on that I don't know about at all so I wanted to talk to you to see well I have quite a few questions about anxiety myself It's something I've suffered from in the past, and it's also something that uh, many of my uh, friends and family suffer from as well. So trying to understand it and see if there really, if there are any powerful tools which can alleviate anxiety uh, very effectively. Um, And that's a really simple, broad overview. I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit more about the specific parts of it, but... Yeah. Great. That sounds like a good conversation. There's a lot to get stuck into. Although um, being called an authority on anxiety is actually quite anxiety-inducing, I think. I definitely don't think of myself as any kind of authority, but more as just someone sharing my my own experiences and things I've learned. So I've kind of gone out there and talked to people and read lots of books and listened to experts. And I'm just trying to pass on the advice of experts and then 
accessible way, I think, rather than thinking of myself as authoritative. But I don't know, I guess maybe that's how it comes. It's just, it's interesting the way you're perceived versus the way you feel of yourself. So I laughed when you said that. Absolutely. Um, I think, I think having a, a TED talk, a TEDx talk uh, really helps as well. Uh, it's, um, and your, your talk is very entertaining and informative at the same time. Uh, but I wanted to ask you, where did this journey start for you? Where, when did you start looking into anxiety for yourself? Yeah, it, it's hard to know where to start really because you go back to childhood and through you know, my teenage years and just the, I could kind of pick out these episodes of anxiety that surfaced in my life. But it wasn't really until my late 20s that I actually got to grips with the idea of anxiety being a a reality in my life. It's, it's funny looking back because I was obviously worried all the time. I thought of myself as a worrier and someone who is just continually stressed. But I, the label anxiety just wasn't something I applied to myself. It felt very medicalized. And I just thought, oh, I just worry a lot. And also I have all these other problems and didn't really put two and two together. So what would happen was I would, it would mostly be all right. Like I'd just kind of get on with my life. I would be quite productive. Things would things would be fine, but with this background level of worry. And then occasionally it would spike out of all control and I'd have these anxious periods that lasted a few weeks or months or whatever. And I'd think, oh, that was horrible. I don't want that to happen again. But not really do anything about it. And then in my late 20s, I hit a, just a tricky few years where the anxious habits that I'd had all my life had built up and up. And I was starting to have, essentially, I started getting into investigating it because I started to get all these physical symptoms. So stomach pains and just a feeling of sickness. And um, that obviously then gave me something else to worry about. Which, so I started worrying about that. And then that made it worse. And it just felt like this whole loop of, I was like, oh my, I didn't know what was happening. And I felt like my life was spinning out of control. I became extremely afraid. And it started affecting my day-to-day life. And I went through this whole, uh, I went through the medical route first. I went to doctors and just tried to get all these symptoms checked out and figure out what was, what was going on. And it wasn't until I'd been through a whole load of investigations, um, quite, some of them quite anxiety-inducing in themselves, that the doctor sort of said to me, look, we don't think there's anything physically wrong with you. We think that what you've got here, you know, I think it's anxiety and that's having this effect. And it wasn't until he said that, I clicked, I thought, oh, well, that actually makes a lot of sense. I am a very anxious person. But it took me 20-something years to realise, oh, right, that's actually a thing. And it was then realising that this is a problem that can be tackled. It's something that exists. Then let me put my energy into uh, investigating it, seeing what, what advice was out there, and, yeah, just finding my own way through all the the different techniques that people use and figuring out what works for me right wow um what what what's your definition of anxiety what what do you i think it's important to because it's a very uh commonly used word and i always like to Mm. clear up uh the definitions at the start so we know we're talking about the same thing or similar things um yeah so yeah that's a great question and I think a lot of things in this area often have these quite fluffy definitions that makes it hard to know what, what applies and what doesn't. Because obviously there's a human emotion of anxiety, a feeling of nervousness, and it's healthy and good and useful. You know, it's if I'm, 
you know, lost alone in a forest and there's wolves chasing me, then, you know, it would be really natural to feel the emotion of anxiety and I shouldn't be trying to eliminate it in that moment and meditating and doing all this stuff. It's like, that's the correct response. (laughs) So it's not about getting rid of the emotion of anxiety. It's about, for me, I guess, it's when it starts to impact on your daily life and when it's disproportionate to what you're actually experiencing. So if you're not being chased by wolves in a forest and yet you're still feeling the level of anxiety that would be associated with that, um, then you know you become people can you, you can become unable to live your life in the way you'd want to, and it's yeah. So it's not the emotion of fear; it's fear that's disproportionate to the situation, and when it impacts on on your existence and doing the things that you would like to be doing. Right. Okay, that's a really clear uh, definition. So, just to uh, clarify there, so it's fear that's out of proportion to what's actually going on in this moment. Yeah, that's what I would say. I don't know, there may be better definitions out there, but that's how I tend to think of it. If I'm thinking about my, uh, the problem of anxiety, it's this disproportionate fear. It's things that are stopping you from living your life. It's panic attacks. It's just stress that just is not related to what's going on around you. And actually, if you... So, yeah. Um, where, I guess it's hard to know, you know, it's impossible to know where other people's anxiety comes from, where it starts from. Do you have any idea on sort of the roots of your anxiety? Do you feel like it's something you were born with or that you picked up along the way through childhood or some other uh, event later down the track? Yeah, I've got a few thoughts on this, both in terms of my own life and in terms of the whole idea of where does anxiety come from. I think I'll start with that because I think, it can be a bit of a trap to worry about where it comes from and to be asking why. I think that in if it doesn't actually help me to solve the problem, then why would I why would I spend energy searching for this information? The stuff that I can't know. I, I don't know if it, there's a genetic predisposition to anxiety. I don't know if there's a genetic predisposition and I was in an environment that helped me to do it, to develop anxiety. I don't know if it was my thought patterns that I, you know, I sort of started getting into habits of being anxious and then over time they reinforced and got stronger and stronger until it was this kind of full-blown anxiety. Probably, my suspicion is for me, it's a combination of all of the above. I probably have a little predisposition to anxiety. I'm naturally someone who thinks about things a lot, so I tend to be looking for all the things that can go wrong and that's useful, but it can also lead to this negative way of viewing the world that you're constantly looking out for threats and if you're constantly in threat, threat detection mode, you're going to be constantly detecting threats so there's lots of things about me i think that make me predisposed to anxiety but i think that the whole one of the first things i did when i discovered or realized that okay anxiety is a reality for me was i went down this whole rabbit hole of why 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 is this happening is it this is it this is there some childhood thing do i need to go back to childhood and kind of do some sort of deep therapy to fix this. And actually, I don't think that any of that was useful. I think it's not a useful use of my energy. Not Even if I had the answer, if you know a wizard appeared and gave me the, the actual correct re- reason for why I am anxious, it wouldn't help me to deal with the anxiety now. It's a way of distracting myself and wasting my energy from actually just handling it. So I think that it can be useful. But often it's it's a trap and it's a way that anxiety kind of defends itself is by making you think, oh, if only I understood why, then I'd be able to fix it. 
So you put all your energy into that instead of handling it. And it's a kind of defense mechanism or the anxiety is how I often think of it. So instead, I just think, yeah, I've got anxiety. This is a thing. I don't know why, but it definitely exists right now. So what can I do in this moment to make it better and to make it better in future? Wow. Okay. So what what are some of the ways that you handle your anxiety? You've, you've, you've realized you're anxious. How, how do you go from there when you feel it? Yeah. Um, it's tricky to answer because there's so many different uh, ways you might want to go or the ways I might go depending on the situation. It's, it, it becomes very difficult to talk about because there's no one magic cure. You know, I can't give you a technique that definitely will cure all anxiety in all circumstances. And I don't have one for myself either. It's about learning different things we can try in different situations that help. And it depends again on, I, I, I make a distinction between being in an acute crisis, like having a panic attack and everything's falling apart in this exact moment and having a chronic ongoing just raised level of anxiety kind of elevated predisposition to falling into those panic attacks if that makes sense so the way you would deal with each is very different and we use the same word to describe both which makes it makes it hard because people say how do you handle anxiety and what they mean is i'm screaming in terror in a supermarket uh, or they mean actually i'm just finding it really hard to go about my day because i just feel stressed all the time and it's you know there's very different ways of handling those so I think it's all about breaking it down and getting getting that clarity. So once you understand it like that, it becomes a lot easier to talk about because you can say, well, in an acute crisis, I'm having a panic attack. I need some techniques for calming down mid-panic. And I'm not worried about the deeper reasons behind my anxiety. I'm definitely not thinking about you know the roots of it or where it goes back in childhood. I'm just thinking right now I'm having a panic attack. I need to calm down. And for me, maybe that's, maybe I phone a friend. Maybe I just breathe. Maybe I close my eyes, whatever I'm, do whatever I'm doing, think about something particularly positive. Um, one thing that's very helpful in those circumstances is not fighting anxiety. Uh, this is one of my go-to things, is to, uh, to train myself away from fighting it because it, it's such a natural response. You feel anxious and it feels horrible. So you just think, oh my God, I just need to stop feeling like this. And you fight it and you're like, go away, anxiety. I don't want you here. And actually, all you're doing there is adding more stress onto it. You're stressed about the fact that you're stressed. You're anxious about being anxious. So just going, now, when I feel anxiety come on, I just think, oh, I'm anxious. Cool. I felt this before, and that's fine. Um, you know, almost greeting it like an old friend, because that tells my brain that I'm not scared of anxiety. It gets rid of me pouring extra stress on it and actually dilutes it just by a huge amount. Uh, a lot of my memories of the worst points when I was in these really anxious periods I was fighting anxiety. I was sitting there wishing I was not feeling it and wishing it away and just pouring more and more fuel onto the fire. So I think that's one of my, my main things is just to not fight, just to accept it, to say, hey, feel anxious. Cool. And it, it feels really counterintuitive. It feels like you're kind of giving in and, set, and accepting this life of anxiety, but you're, it's actually the opposite. It reduces it. So that's quite a powerful technique that I think is useful in all kinds of circumstances. And then... Then there's the kind of longer term stuff, like the chronic slow burn anxiety, the elevated levels of stress. And it's, that's a lot of the same techniques will work. So stuff that helps you in a panic attack situation will also help you 
with the chronic anxiety, the relaxation techniques or whatever it may be. But I tend to think that when I'm in a slower anxiety period, that's the time to really be working on the roots of it, to really be getting down to figuring out how do I stop myself from getting into this situation in future? You're kind of laying down groundwork to just be less anxious in general in future by just making changes. And it's again, it's hard to talk about because they're so individual. What works for me may well not work for anybody else, may not be relevant. But finding a process by which you can identify what helps is the thing to do. So for me, the process is paying attention to myself. So I'm... A lot of the chronic anxiety stuff tends to be these habits of thought. So like I said before about threat detection, I'm constantly detecting threats. And maybe I don't need to be in constant threat detection mode all the time. Maybe I can just switch that on when it's necessary, when I feel like you know, there's, some, there's some particular reason to be looking out for something that might go wrong. Um, and so that means I just need to be paying attention to myself and noticing, okay, right now I seem to be really stressing out about this, you know, a meteor hitting the earth or whatever. Do I need to be thinking about that? Probably not. You know, and if, if I'm not paying attention, I might well just get go down this huge thought pattern about, you know, it could be anything. It could be a meteor. It could be something in my own life. It could be some social disaster. Um, but it's if, if there's no particular reason for me to be thinking, having these negative fantasies, then I need to notice when I'm doing it and stop. So that's a kind of a habit I try to develop when I'm in these these slow burn anxious periods is just to pay attention and to see what I'm doing. And if I catch myself doing stuff that's ultimately just not serving me to not do it anymore. Right. Uh, have you noticed any changes since uh, catching yourself every time sort of those, those unhelpful uh, anxious thoughts come up and you've, um, you've just stopped going down that path have you noticed any long-term changes from doing that because i i have the feeling you've been doing this for for quite some time now we're talking years not uh not months yeah it's been a few years and i mean i don't anxiety is still a reality in my life i think that predisposition is still there and maybe in you know 10 20 years maybe i'll have reached this zen-like state of uh, total acceptance i don't know but right now you know it still pops up occasionally but i I, I feel I feel fine about it. I don't actually fear anxiety. There was a long period in my life between between those spikes I talked about where where anxiety would flare up and then I'd kind of just it would go back down to normal. And I just in those periods I lived afraid of those anxious spikes. I really feared anxiety coming back. And I had this this sense that there was this black hole that one day I might fall into and never get out. I just thought that there's this thing lurking and it might get me and I'm going to fall in and my whole life's going to fall apart and anxiety will destroy me. But I just don't have that anymore. I really don't fear anxiety at all. So there's that, there's no, um, there's a belief that I can cope with it and I can handle it. So if anxiety shows up, I just think, well, I've been through this a million times. It's not hurt me before. I, I know I'll handle it. I've got these techniques for calming down. So yeah, I, I, I am less anxious noticeably and I handle it better when it does resurface. So I've definitely noticed some changes. Have you? Okay, so have there been any been any specific changes you can name? Like uh, maybe you've noticed differences in interactions with friends or other social environments. Um, I guess I'm talking specifically about social anxiety now, another flavor of anxiety. But are there any sort of uh, clear differences you could uh, identify? after sort of repeating this pattern a few times of catching yourself 
in the anxious act, I'm calling it, and, uh, and sort of going down a different path or just not going at all? Yeah, um, not so much with social anxiety. Social anxiety is incredibly common, but weirdly, it's one of the few things that I was never anxious about. I was always comfortable with people and friends and um, getting up and doing stand-up comedy, even when I was feeling really awful. It was So a lot of people really struggled to believe that I had anxiety when I started talking about it because I seemed confident. I was comfortable around people. I didn't have the... I think a lot of people think social anxiety is because it's the most common maybe that that's why people think that's what anxiety is but for me it wasn't like that a lot of it was more kind of disaster anxiety I would, I would imagine horrendous things happening health anxiety I was constantly afraid of something going wrong with my body and becoming sick and dying or you know other such things so it was a lot of these worst case scenario thoughts so the difference I notice is when I don't I don't spend time as much time sitting around in these negative fantasies of these things, these things that just aren't happening. And yeah, so I guess concrete situations might be, say, you know, some weird pain or sensation happens in my body. And instead of me thinking, oh, this is definitely a heart attack, I'm about to die. Instead, I might think I can just, I can react to it with a sense of proportion. You know, I'm not, I don't immediately run to Google and start Googling things and, diagnosing myself with this that and the other so that that was how a lot of my anxiety happened would tend to be health anxiety but it just doesn't play out like that anymore I've got this much more proportionate sense of what's real I, I tend to think that a lot of dealing with anxiety is tuning more into reality so maybe there's good reason to be anxious you know not all of our lives are, nobody's got a perfect life there's lots of stuff going on in the world that's reasonably going to cause anxiety so there's a reasonable amount of anxiety to feel but if you tune into reality, that's the only anxiety you're going to feel. You're not going to be feeling all this extra stuff that you're loading on and creating. And for me, that's the difference. It's closing that gap between the amount of anxiety I should reasonably feel about my life and the world. And that anxiety can be a motivating force to go out there and make changes in my life or you know, to make changes in the world if you're feeling really bold. But it's having that, that sense of this is the correct amount of anxiety to feel about things and there's nothing else i'm not inventing stuff that i don't need to feel well yeah i can i can really relate to that um and one thing that came to mind while you were talking uh is a question actually was there a particular aha moment when you caught yourself or you caught the anxious part of you sort of doing its thing because uh for myself I remember going through anxiety, that is what I call it now, very anxious periods and some of the, sometimes peaking into just really, you know, just immense uh, internal suffering. But um, at one of the points, I realized that this, this part of me that was sort of spinning all these stories was just a part of me and I felt separate from it. But before that, I was completely... Uh, there was no separation. So all of those thoughts and feelings were me, or well, that's how I experienced them anyway. Um, can you relate to any of that? Was there a moment where you felt separate from the anxious tendencies within you? Yeah, that's really interesting. I think a lot of it is about failing to separate ourselves from everything that goes on in our minds. So there's these 
not we're not necessarily in control of everything in our brains. I don't know how it works for you, but this is my experience that you know all kinds of thoughts just pop into your head at all times. You might be walking along and you might think, oh, well, maybe I should could throw my wallet off that bridge, or just some really irrational thought just kind of pops into your head. And if we're just in the habit of constantly believing everything that happens in our head and, and identifying with it and thinking, yes, everything I think is me and I own it all then we own all those irrational thoughts. We own all those little moments of anxiety. And we, we just think, so you, you start buying into it. And then when they're quite negative, they can be quite harsh. We can think negative things about ourselves. Like that if we, you know, maybe our friends don't like us, if we just made a joke that we didn't, you know, that didn't go down that well, or that, you know, our boss gave us a funny look and, or maybe he's thinking about firing us or just, just these thoughts can pass through your head. And if you, if you instinctively believe them all and buy into them, then you're creating this very negative reality for yourself. And I certainly did that. I, I just instinctively believed everything that was happening in my brain. And yeah, it, it, learning to just recognize, okay, I've just thought that my boss is thinking, might, might be secretly thinking about firing me or you know some other negative thing. But just because I've thought it doesn't, doesn't mean anything. It's just a, a, a random bit of thought in my brain. I don't need to buy into it. I can just carry on with my day. And if, you know, if something... Um, later happens if my boss does call me in for a meeting we can handle it but I don't need to invent the situation where it's just not happening because I'm just adding needless suffering to my life so I, I think that you know, you just when you start spotting these things you see them all the time there's almost too many examples to come up with of just a thought in your head that is just a thought in your head and you don't need to necessarily believe it so I think learning to recognize those patterns was really huge. Mm, okay, okay. So that, that sounds like it's uh, pointing towards self-awareness. It's a big big asset in this uh, identification of um, anxiety within you. Like I know for me, uh, just paying attention with the sensations in my body um, has been a huge help to i kind of at this point and for a long time i've been using my body kind of like an alarm system so if there's a, any tension or tightness uh emotional tension i should i shouldn't just say like a cramp in my shoulder or something but actually like tension like uh, tension caused from an emotion uh it doesn't matter what the emotion is if there's any amount of tension and a lack of ease i know that something is going on something's just triggered me and uh it's really interesting Oftentimes I can just sit with that feeling and just let it go. Um, I think I've lost my train of thought. No, I get where you're going there because I think self-observation is absolutely key to this. It's amazing how often you can get lost in a whole load of anxiety. You know, I've had, in the past I'd have a whole day lost just worrying about this thing. And when I look back on it, I just thought, well, that's just because in the morning I thought about, you know, it's, uh, something horrible happening. So I maybe, you know, a blood clot or getting trapped on a train or, you know, just, and then I spent the whole day in a state of elevated anxiety and just didn't notice that all I was doing was constantly reliving this what if scenario that wasn't even happening. So increasing that self-awareness and just shortening that loop. So instead of spending a whole day lost in this anxious fantasy, I, it might get down to a couple of hours and then maybe just a few minutes and then maybe I catch it as it starts because you just get better at recognizing things. And it's having that, it's tuning, as you say, it's tuning into yourself. And sometimes it's what's happening in your mind, but often you notice it in your body, that tension, um, the 
you know, I think there's differences. People talk about different sensations. For me, I get a kind of weird um, sensation of rushing in the chest with anxiety or a kind of fizz in, in my brain. And I, I, I've learned to recognize those feelings as, like you say, an alarm clock. And that means I need to look at what's going on. Uh, so I've been not paying attention. What's going on? Take a step back. Oh, I'm thinking about this. And then I can once I once I've noticed, I can choose. I, 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 you then get this conscious choice. So maybe it's a perfectly good thing for me to be thinking about. Maybe I should be focusing on whatever this thing is, but maybe I shouldn't. And if we don't pay attention, then we're not making conscious choices about what we're paying our attention on. We're we're just going with whatever the flow is we're just on autopilot and whatever random nonsense our brain chatters away with is whatever dictates the flow of our day but if we're paying attention then we can we we have we take control over over our own interior lives but as you say you need alarm clocks to make you pay attention and at first i think it using doing stuff like noticing tension in your body or Noticing these physical sensations is a really great, great way to do it. And then as you do it, that itself becomes a habit. So you develop a habit of paying attention to yourself. And I think that that's, that's like the first and biggest step in working through any anxiety is developing that habit of just paying attention to what's going on. You don't even need to solve it at first. It's just noticing it. So once you, once you know what the problems are, once you see, okay, this is a habit that affects me. And I notice that whenever I do this, it wrecks my day. So then you can choose a strategy for handling it. But until you know what the problem is, you're never going to do that. We're just constantly reacting to random emotions and random feelings and, and whatever else. So, yeah, you're completely right. Self-observation is, I think, the just the crux of it all. Absolutely. I, yeah, I agree uh, completely. Uh, and one point I want to make on that is that I mean, maybe it's very obvious for people listening, but I just want to tell part of myself this is your reactions to anxiety are unique to you. And uh, like you said, you felt the fizz in your head and the rushing feeling in your chest. I feel it as a tension in my stomach. And for someone else, they might feel it as a pin pricks in their arm or something. And I think getting really intimate with your the sensations that go on when you're very really anxious and knowing when you've been triggered by something is such an asset just to know. And I guess that is setting the the boundaries of the, the alarm system uh, or the alarm clock, as you put it. Um, so whenever something triggers that you are like, Oh, okay, let's time to pay attention. What's just happening. You switch into more of a conscious mode of like, okay, do I want to go with this thought? whatever it is, it could be anxious, it could be lovely, but we're talking about anxiety, so let, let me stay on track. Um, and and then from that point, you have that conscious awareness, you have the choice to then go wherever you would like. So, um, yeah, maybe I'm oversimplifying it, but that's how I see it at the moment. No, not at all. I think that sounds spot on. Okay. Um, have there been any habits that you've formed that have minimized or even eliminated anxiety and and the things i'm interested to hear about is like you know getting adequate sleep or exercise or something like that has have you noticed any uh routine sort of habits that have have aided with your uh, anxiousness yeah definitely um i think so i tend to divide up the 
causes of anxiety into three different areas, I guess. So one of them is just the entire universe. So it's it's just everything. So it's my my work, my home, my relationships, just everything that's outside of me. And there's some stuff there legitimately causes anxiety and you know you might want to make changes in your life to reduce it. But we don't really have necessarily a lot of control over the entire universe. But it is it is a thing that exists and maybe we can make life changes to affect it. Then there's the kind of body chemistry stuff, which I've got some indirect control over. So I can't directly control the chemicals in my brain, but I can ensure I get enough sleep. I can ensure I get some exercise. I can ensure I eat relatively well. And just all this sort of stuff, you know, not too much caffeine, not too much alcohol, just all, all these kinds of things that you know are good. And each of those just, it doesn't, not, nothing solves the problem. Like there's no one thing that you can do. For, for most people, you can't just go, oh, I got an extra hour of sleep and suddenly my life was, was solved. But it does help. You know, it's making sure you get all those things right. Is, these are like small changes you can get. And I think you need small changes because one of the big problems with anxiety is, is it saps all your energy and your ability to do anything else. So when you're really in the midst of it and you're, you're down in the depths, you're just fighting the anxiety, you're knackered. Every, all of your energy is going on just being anxious. So the idea of making massive life changes or changing your job or you know anything else out there that might be a big cause of anxiety in your life is almost impossible. But you can make small changes just to help kind of bootstrap up. So maybe an extra hour of sleep a night just gives you a little bit more power. And then you can use that to make another change and another change and just gradual small wins, chain enough of them together and you get big wins. So that's the kind of, definitely that helps the kind of chemistry side of things your physical body and the third area of anxiety I tend to think of is what we've mostly been talking about which is your mental state your mental life your brain everything goes on in there and that's the one you've got the most control over so which is why I tend to focus on it is because if you really sort out your mental habits you learn to recognize what's going on in your mind and change the way you you react to it then that gives you I think the biggest wins I think that's where it really comes from but Having, but I think a multi-pronged approach is the best way to deal with it. I think that if you can make these life changes, you know, improve stuff around your house, tidy up, make your make the universe around you feel more calming, cool. If you can make kind of these kind of chemistry changes where you get enough sleep and all that sort of stuff, then that you know it all just adds up. All of them are wins, and you just put wins in all these different columns. Try and improve your life. Try and improve your um, routines. Try and improve your mental life. And attack each three of each of those three and eventually you'll chain together enough good stuff that you'll have more energy less anxiety and then it's a kind of feedback system the more energy you get the more better changes you can make and then you gradually work your way out of it got it got it if if there was one step you would recommend for someone just starting their journey with uh i'm not going to say tackling their anxiety because that sounds like fighting but um with beginning to deal with their anxiety, what would that one step be just as a really simple uh, first step? Mm. See, and that's really hard because I really believe that everyone is so unique that I don't, I wouldn't claim to have the answer for everyone. I think I'm very suspicious of anyone who's kind of, you know, hawking some easy answer, some system that will solve anyone's problems, particularly someone, you know, I, this fictional person I don't even know, so I couldn't possibly judge into their life. But, I think, 
I think having that approach of making changes in all of those three areas is is huge. But I think even before that, probably the best thing is to seek help and to open up. So that gives you the power. You can lean on other people. Like when when you're really in the depths of anxiety, you really don't have the power to get yourself out of it. You need some level of support. And you know, whether it's a friend or a mentor, or a colleague, parents, whoever is in your life. Um, or you know, strangers, there's charities out there, mental health charities, there's people you can call, um, there's internet communities, you know, where there's anxiety-based communities online, a forum, wh- wherever you find it, just talk about it with someone, just say, this is what's going on with me. And that's really hard to do. I, I struggled with that for years. Like I said, I seemed very confident from outside. And it was really important to my my sense of self, my identity, that I continued to appear like I had everything sorted. So I really struggled to open up and to say, hey, this is a problem um, with you know, even my closest friends. They sort of knew I was struggling with some stuff, but the, the depth of it I hadn't really got across because I didn't want to. And it wasn't until I started talking about it that I realized actually it wasn't, it, it helped. It really did help to know I wasn't alone, to know that other people were in the same boat and to know that there was a way out. So. I think opening up and finding just a space somewhere, whether it's online or in in your life or a stranger or wherever, just somewhere you can talk about it and get a bit of support. And that gives you, I think, the initial, the little spark that lets you just start to make little tweaks in your own life and just gradually um, make bigger and bigger tweaks until you, you know, you look back. I think it's, I'm really struck by how, so I've been talking publicly about anxiety for couple of years now and it's a real privilege because a lot of strangers get in touch to tell me their stories and I've there's quite a few people who I've heard from a few times over the years and they've said that they can't believe how far they've come when they look back and see all the all the changes they made they think I remember how hopeless I felt I remember how I thought I'm never gonna get out of this anxiety and I was doomed to live anxiously for my entire life and I used to believe that too I genuinely did. I thought, this is it. I'm going to be anxious forever. This is just my life now. And that that thought was one of the worst parts of it, was believing there was no hope. But I think that people will, you know, you can look back and just see you've come a long way. And the very, the very first step to that, I think, is just opening up and sharing and finding support for that first little spark. Yeah. I For some reason, I completely forgot that step of of opening up and connecting with another person um huge yeah it's from speaking from experience that has been one of the 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 biggest challenges for myself as well just that that threshold it really did feel like a threshold to step out of the story of myself step out of the story like you said that everything's okay and i should just keep pretending uh that i've got it all together and accept that I don't and then go and ask for help or just a hug or anything that what I need in that moment uh such a huge step such a huge step um, mm-hmm. it, it's hard it, you know it it's easy to make it sound easy you know just open up but I remember the feeling of of starting to talk about it and it's really difficult you're there's part of us that really resists it we think that for many, many reasons, maybe we think that if we start identifying ourselves as anxious, then maybe we've, that means we've somehow lost the battle with anxiety. Maybe we think other people will think less of us. Um, it's, it's really difficult to do. And, but 
I haven't heard a bad story from anyone. Nobody's ever got in touch with me and said, you know, I opened up about my anxiety to someone and it was the worst thing I've ever done. You know, it's pretty much universally, you know, people, you can find someone somewhere who's going to respond well, some community, some someone who's going to help you. And those places exist and it's just finding it. So and believing they exist and making that effort. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Neil, um, we're, we're running out of time. I know you have to uh, go and uh, be with the rest of your day. Is there anything else you wanted to add before we before we wrap this up? Just that I've really enjoyed chatting. It's been really interesting and fun exploring it with you. So I'm really pleased you've invited me on. So thank you very much for having me. Oh, my, my pleasure, Neil. And uh, apologies again for the, the long technical delays, but we got there. And um, I really, really enjoyed this chat as well. Some noisy motorbikes going on in the background. Some some nice uh, outro music. Um, if uh, people are interested in uh, connecting with you or following you online, where can they go to do that? Yep. So the best place is probably my website, which is walkingoncustard.com. Uh, and there you can find my Twitter, uh, which is enthusiasm slightly it makes a lot more sense written down, but a little pun on my name. But yeah, walkingoncustard.com is probably the place to go. And there's all kinds of things there. There's a blog post and a newsletter and links to the TED Talk where I kind of explain the whole uh, custard metaphor for anxiety in a bit more detail. And yeah, we'd love to hear from people. Great. I'll include all of those links and the the TED Talk as well in the, in the post so everyone can find those really easily. Um, Neil, thanks again. And, um, yeah, maybe we, maybe we, uh, see each other again one day. Yeah. Hope so. Yeah. Um, okay, Neil, I'll let you get on with the rest of your day and, uh, thanks again. Fantastic. Been a pleasure. Speak to you soon, man. Cheers. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye-bye.